Well, good morning. As I was preparing for this message, I was, uh, it was really difficult. I started thinking about some things I haven't thought about for a while, and I can remember when I retired from the Marine Corps. Um, before I retired, people would say, what are you going to miss about the Marine Corps? And I said, nothing. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. And I can remember in my retirement ceremony, they lined up a bunch of Marines um, that were all the different ranks that I had been from private all the way to Chief Warrant Officer 4. And they, were, they had some music playing in the background, and each one of them would take the flag, and they would face each other, hand off the flag, until the final guy, who was Chief Arms for Four, handed it to me. And as I grabbed it, I, all this emotion came over me. And I almost started to cry. Like, I almost started to lose it up there. And I was just like, in my mind, I was like, hold back, hold back. You guys know what I'm talking about. Um, and since that day, the one question people have asked me is, what do I miss about being a Marine? As I prepared this message, I started to think about that. What is it that I miss about being a Marine? And I'll tell you what I miss. I miss the mission. I miss the mission. I miss getting a bunch of people together from all walks of life, all these different ragtag people, and having a mission and just going towards that mission. You guys know what I mean? Has that ever happened to you where you just get a team and you're just like, we're there? And that kind of leads us today and what we're going to talk about. Today we finish up our vision series and we're going to look into making disciples. And in some ways, this is the practical application portion of what Jesus is telling us to do. He's told us to love him, love God, love others, and now he's telling us to make disciples. So let's pray and ask God to just bless this time and open our hearts. Father, we come to you right now and we just thank you for this time that we get to just proclaim your name and your glory. I pray that your spirit would be upon us, that your spirit would open and reveal the truth of your word to us. We just love you and we thank you and we ask that you would be glorified today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, when you prepare for a mission, the first thing you have to be is you have to be committed to the mission. It doesn't matter what the order is. You have to be committed to the mission. In verse 16 we read, Then the eleven disciples went. They proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. The disciples were told to Jesus, Meet me at Galilee. And they proceed there. And we see the first thing, that commitment to the mission requires availability. You see, there's only eleven of them there. But they started off with twelve. One of them was no longer available. Judas, at that time, had already committed suicide. And it's the same thing with us. Some who initially walk with us will be unavailable by being casualties of preoccupation and distraction with the advancement of their kingdom and not Christ's kingdom. And so they walk, and it says, when they saw him, they worshipped him. So they're walking, they're going to Galilee, they see Jesus, and they worship him. And it isn't just like, hey, Jesus, what's going on? It's, no, they fell on their faces, and they started worshiping him. But it says, but some doubted. And I love that. Some doubted. It's like it shows the humanity. These weren't like super Christians. It says, some doubted. They lacked confidence. We see, commitment to the mission requires obedience. You say, well, why are they doubting? Jesus had walked with them, but now he was going to leave them. 
Maybe they doubted because they weren't sure they were qualified for the task. I mean, let's remember some of the things Jesus said. Matthew 10, 16 says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. What do wolves do to sheep? They eat them up. John 15, 20 says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. That's heavy stuff, and they, and they know that whatever order Jesus is going to ask them to do, it's going to be a, a heavy order. And they're remembering the things that he said, and so they doubt. Yet in obedience, they continue on. They're committed. You see, Christ doesn't use the capable to carry out his critical mission. He uses the committed. So the question is, are you available? Are you obedient? Are you committed? Now, after you commit to the mission, you have to be prepared to receive the mission order. So verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them. He said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, I have unlimited jurisdiction over every domain. Everything. I have all power. And it's interesting he starts this off, like starts this, this order with this. You see... The importance of an order given is commensurate with the authority of the person giving that order. You can see this in everyday life. You see um, brothers and sisters. If the brother gives the sister an order, he goes, yeah, right. If mom or dad give the order, it's okay, I got it. This is Jesus, the one that has unlimited and ultimate authority giving us this order. So this makes it our primary mission. This is it. And he says, therefore, go. Now, this isn't the order. And the, the, the phrase, therefore, go, means having gone. It implies that wherever you are or wherever you will go is sufficient to carry out the mission. And for some of us, that's overseas. Some of us, that's across the country. For some of us, it's across the dinner table. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, all people groups, all types of people. And here we go. Here's the order. Make disciples. That's the order. So we have to ask ourselves, what is a disciple? What is a disciple of Christ? We see a disciple of Christ is a person who is wholehearted, committed, learner, follower, and worship, and lover of Christ. It is a person who is sold out for Christ. Christ is above all. We're called to be that and make that. So let me summarize the mission order. Let me summarize what we're called to do. In every context of our lives, no matter where we're at, with all people, we are to make whole life disciples that are sold out for Christ. That's our order. That's what we've been tasked with. Now at this point, I see some of you are squirming. I'm not digging this. Some of you might be saying, I'm not qualified for this. You're doubting like the disciples did. Let me say, let me encourage you. If you put your faith in Christ, you are qualified. There's no waiting period. It isn't like you put your faith in Christ and it's like, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not a good enough Christian to make disciples. No, once you put your faith in Christ, you're good enough. The order is yours. You've accepted the order to make disciples. Being a disciple and making disciples fuels each other and we're never intended to be separated. It's simultaneous. So if you proclaim Christ as your Lord, you're a disciple maker. Now some of you might be sitting here and you might be going, I'm not buying that, Brian. 
You might be saying, isn't making disciples the job of the church and missionaries? I mean, I tithe. Isn't it your job? Isn't it JP's job? And I support missions too. So I'm making disciples. And let me just say, we are the church. All of us, we are the church, and we're everyday missionaries of God. We can, this, this mission, this order cannot be outsourced. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that God's mission will fall apart if you're not actively involved. God is sovereign, and God's will will be done. However, what I am going to say is if you're not actively involved, everything in your life might fall apart. You see, I get a lot of people saying, I want to connect, Brian. I want to connect with the Lord. I just want to connect with him. How can I connect with him? And Jesus gives us that. He says, make disciples. So I got to ask you, do you want to grow in your relationship with Christ? Make disciples. So after you receive the order, you have to understand the task of the mission. So you have this order, and underneath the order are, are these different tasks in order to accomplish that order. You have to understand those tasks. And Jesus gives us two distinctive tasks. We read, Therefore, we're going to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So task one, we see it's baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, with every task, there's a specified task and there's an implied task. A specified task is, hey, I'm telling you to do, to do this, but underneath there, there's things that have to be done before you actually do that. Yes. So the specified task is baptize. The implied task is that somebody has explained to you the gospel. You see, baptism is many things, but one of the things that it is, it's an outward proclamation that you belong to Christ, like my wedding ring is. And so the implied task here is evangelism. It's, it's an overt proclamation of the gospel message. And we see that discipleship starts with the harvest. Gospel proclamation. Romans 10, 14 says, How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they've never heard? Now some of you are sitting like, I don't like that word evangelism. It makes me feel icky. How, how can I evangelize? Because here's the thing. Let's, let's just face it. Let's just throw it out on the table. I don't like it when somebody tries to sell me something I don't want. Someone calls me, like, right at dinner. I don't know how everyone knows that, but they call right at dinner, and they want to sell me something. I'm like, sorry, and I click. Someone comes to my door. They try to sell me something. I close the door. Not always in a nice manner. Sorry, by the way. I'm repenting for salespeople in here. So <laughs> the fact is, is we feel like that. We don't want to sell we don't want to be that salesman. And some of us have been taught a way to evangelize that is very much like a salesman. Like, here, let me throw this spiritual grenade. It blows up and I run away. So how should I evangelize? Well, it's relational. God has placed people in your sphere, your social sphere, that you have a relationship with that don't know Christ. You already have a relationship relationship with them. It's organic. It just happens. You have to keep your eyes open for those discussions. And it's not formulaic. I'll give you an example. It was very interesting. It was, I went to get a haircut this week. This young guy was cutting my hair, and he starts talking about how he's getting married, and 
some of the, the thoughts and feelings he was having about getting married. And after he got done, he said, so what do you do for a living? And I went, yes, Lord, awesome. <laughs> so I was able to, to preach the gospel to him right there in my barber chair. And that happens to us all the time. Some people go and they say, how do you deal with this? It's like a garage door opener. Like it, the garage door just opened. They just gave you, like, you can speak truth into their life right then and there. You have to see that and take advantage. That's how you evangelize. That's how you talk about the gospel. It happens all the time in daily conversation. Now, some of you might say, well, I don't want to offend anyone. I just don't want to offend anyone. I started thinking about this. You know, some of the most loving things people have told me in my life were offensive to me at the time. Has that ever happened to you? It's like you didn't want to hear it, but the person loved you enough to tell you that. We have to come to grips with this, that the gospel message is an offensive message to a dying culture. It's offensive. Maybe you're sitting like, well, how is it offensive? We are telling people, God is telling people, that everyone sins and falls short of the glory of God. And because they fall short of God's glory, because they're a sinner, they deserve hell for eternity. That doesn't sit well with people. That's like a bummer right off the bat. But God loved us so much that he stepped out from his throne, Christ clothed in flesh, lived a perfect and just life, was nailed to a cross. And here's the thing, when he was nailed to that cross, yes, it was the physical pain of being on the cross, but it was more the emotional pain. This was the first time that the eternal Son of God, Christ, felt the wrath of the Father, the wrath that we deserve. He was buried, but he resurrected three days later. And when we put our faith in him and what he has done, and we pronounce him as Lord, we are no longer destined for hell, but we're destined for heaven and eternal joy with him. That's our message. There's one way, and it's through Christ. It's an offensive message to a dying world, but it's the most loving message you could tell anyone. Maybe you're sitting there and you're saying, no one, no one will listen. No one's going to listen to me, Brian. I've did this. I've talked to my family. I've talked to these people. No one listens. I love the parable of the soils. We get this parable in, in the, the New Testament of this farmer that just starts throwing seeds everywhere, and he throw, throws in all these different types of soils. And from a farming point of view, he's like the worst farmer ever. He's just wasting seed all over the place. You see, the success of the mission is ultimately the work of God. You're not going to argue anyone into the kingdom. You are not going to have this great evangelistic sales pitch that's going to somehow go, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. It's all a work of God. The results belong to him. We're just called to work the harvest. So that's task one. Task two, it says, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, the word teaching here is more than classroom teaching. I mean, it would be easy if I could just say, oh, you want to be discipled? Great, stay here for another half hour. I'll give you some discipleship principles. We're done. We're all disciples. And most of us would be like, I'm comfortable with that. I, I understand that method of teaching. But here's the thing. You can teach what you don't practice, but you can't disciple what you don't practice. Because discipleship is life on life, heart on heart. It's real life. It's in the nitty-gritty of who you are. 
It's not about behavior change. It's about heart change. So what kind of teaching is he talking about? He's saying, I want you to teach. The teaching he's talking about is a Holy Spirit-empowered, gospel-centered, holistic teaching in the context of relational community in the lab of life under the loving authority and majesty of Christ. That's the type of teaching he's talking about. It's relational. It's coming alongside someone. It's, it's living with them, doing life with them. So how do we do this? Well, it starts with getting involved in people's lives. I know that's a hard one. Getting involved in people's lives. I mean getting involved in their lives. Not just the how you doing. No, how are you doing? How's your heart? All of us have those people in our lives that ask us those questions that you love but you hate at the same time. You know what I'm talking about? How's your heart? I don't know how my heart is. Like, good? How's your marriage? Good? How's your time with the, with the Lord been? Good? But they won't, like, good's not a good enough answer for them? That's what we're called to do. Get into people's lives. We have to look at how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't have the ten rules to discipleship and then go, okay, step one, I'm going to do this. Step two, I'm going to do this. Step three, and then roll through the ten rules. Jesus adapted to each individual person. Some people he was very, very poignant with. The woman at the well, he calls out her sins. Yet with other people, he's tender with them. He knows exactly what they need at the right time because he knows them. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to know people and how to talk to them about things of Christ and teach them life on life. And it's not this big, giant campaign either. Look at Paul. Look at his ministry. I know Paul did a lot of things. Paul was a missionary. Paul you know, planted churches. But here's the thing. If you were to boil Paul's ministry down to one thing, it was one person. It was Timothy. Timothy walked along with Paul. Paul shepherded Timothy. It was one person. One-on-one engagement. Here's the thing. Task one of evangelizing and task two of teaching, they're not meant to be separated or compartmentalized. They're meant to be connected and happen in parallel. What do I mean by that? You know, sometimes we meet someone in our life, in our sphere. I want you to think of that person right now. You meet them. You have these conversations. And you're teaching them the things of Christ. They're not a believer yet. They've not put their faith and trust in Christ. But yet, you tenderly come alongside them and you teach them. And as you teach them, you also pronounce the gospel to them. And so they're learning. And at some point, if God so wills, they open up their heart and they accept Christ as their Savior. It isn't like, let me drop the grenade and then once you get there, then we'll go ahead and start teaching you. It's simultaneously and sometimes it's reversed. So I have to ask you, are you in a discipleship relationship right now? Are you in a discipleship relationship right now? Who's your Timothy? I want you to think about that person right now, that person that you have a relationship with, that the Spirit's just been prompting you to say something and come alongside. Who is your Timothy? I want you to write that person's name down right now if you have a pen. Who's your Timothy? Now, with every mission, you need to know how to leverage your resources for that mission. Jesus says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
It's like Jesus grabs us by our faith and he says, I am with you always. Here's the thing. We have the full arsenal of the ultimate authority in Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 18 says, On this rock, on this gospel proclamation of Christ, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We have Christ's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that has empowered us for this mission. We're called to listen to the Spirit and be sensitive to the Spirit as He leads us to accomplish these tasks. We're not just left hanging out in the wind. We have the full arsenal of God. You know, sometimes seeing the desired outcome helps us leverage our resources better and puts the mission in perspective. Revelation 7, 9. This is the desired outcome. This is the outcome. This is the heavenly throne room. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language. Standing before the throne and before the Lamb, they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our Lord who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And the angels were standing around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength to our God forever and ever. Amen. That is the outcome. Worship. Standing before Christ and worshiping him and just enjoying him and just, and just being in his presence. So I'm going to challenge you. Examine in your life and how you're making disciples. Where is that discrepancy at? Once you find that discrepancy, make changes. I mean, we just saw a video about Alpha. How easy is it to invite someone to Alpha? Get involved in a small group. We have ministries that go and minister to people under the bridge in Lawrence. We have so many things, so many opportunities. Maybe it's more local. Maybe it's just talking with the person across your kitchen table or in the break room. We get one chance to do, to do this, one chance to get it right. You know, when I held that flag at my retirement ceremony, I was about ready to cry. I tell everyone it was just something in my eye, but um, I'm confessing it. It wasn't. I stood there and I looked and I saw my kids. I saw my parents and they were smiling, very proud. Then I saw my wife, Erica, and she was smiling, but yet there was tears. It wasn't like happy tears. It was sad tears. I didn't know what was going on, so I went up to her afterwards and I said, I noticed you were crying. And they weren't like happy tears. She said, Brian, I realize that the next time I see a flag like this, you won't be with us anymore. It made me think about that. And that just hit me really hard. I, I realized, I don't want to waste my life. Time is short. I don't want to waste it. And when Erica receives this flag again, I'm going to st be standing right in front of our compassionate commander, Jesus Christ, giving an account of how I carried out his order to make disciples. And I long to hear Christ say, mission accomplished.
Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my eternal joy. I want to hear that. What about you? What do you want to hear? Friends, we have our orders. It's time to move out. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now, and this is just a heavy, heavy mission that you've laid upon our lives. And I pray that we would find our empowerment in your spirit and not in our own strength. We thank you for using people like us to bring about your worshipers for your glory for eternity. Protect us as we go about doing this. Encourage us. May we all just unite as a church around this mission to make disciples. We love you, and we ask this in Jesus' name.